and welcome to the Talking Heads podcast with Lucy and Saul, two head gardeners in Essex and Devon. In light of the coronavirus crisis we are living in and the drastic changes in horticulture happening up and down the UK, we both realised that bringing a regular glimpse into the gardens we look after might bring a little joy and interest. So for the foreseeable future, Talking Heads will now be a shorter podcast where Lucy and I bring you snippets of our daily lives in our gardens as spring unfurls. We'll also bring you news of gardens and gardeners, nurseries and nursery folk throughout the UK. So sit back, take a few minutes out of your day and tune into a small dose of our gardening lives. Lucy, it's been an absolutely beautiful start to the week at Stonelands down in Devon. How's it been up in Essex? Yeah, so it's been exactly the same. It's been blue skies, um, a gentle breeze. We've got this easterly wind that will not shift. So it's been a little bit chilly of the morning and of the evening. But in the day, it's getting up to the high teens. It's really beautiful. We had um, skylarks and swallows in the sky today over the hall. It was just, just so gorgeous. Yeah, really nice. Yeah, we were just saying before we pressed record here that um, our borders especially are starting to shift. We're starting to get that beautiful green growth. I must say, things like the asphodelus that I'm a big fan of are now in flower, uh, almost in full flower. Are they? Thalictrums, yeah, um, they they are just gorgeous. I'll try and get something up on Twitter about those because they're one of my favourite plants. Our thalictrums um, are starting to flower. There's all sorts going on, really. It's, It's... it's uh, been a pretty good start to spring. I, this is one of the better ones, if I can, uh, as my memory serves me. Yeah, horticulturally, like I say, it's been a really, um, I think because we had all that moisture, everything was primed and ready to go. And then we've actually had really, although we've had cold nights in Essex, we've had lovely warm days and, and blue skies and uh, not too much, not too much wind. We, like I say, we've had this easterly wind, but it's not been really billowing too much. So things are still you know, still looking really lush and verdant and not desiccated at all. And uh, yeah, yeah, just I was I put up a picture on Twitter today of an abutilon, Nyman's White, that was flowering just above my head. And I was, I've been pea-sticking the borders all day and my hands are really achy because I've been bending sticks into all sorts of shapes and contorting them around. And it just looked absolutely gorgeous. I was on my knees and I looked up and there's all these white flowers nodding down at me. And it just was, oh my God, it was just stunning. So... Yeah, a little bit of one of those one of those moments that just stays with you for a while. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? I, I always say to myself that head, I can always be head down in my job a bit too much in the borders mm. or in the potting shed, and I don't take enough time just to lift my head and look at what's flowering. Our rhododendrons are starting to to come out. Um, I noticed the um, Camassia quamarsh in our meadow oh, is just about to flower, yep. which is going to make the meadow look absolutely uh, superb. All the apple blossom is absolutely doing its thing. And fingers crossed, we've had no frost. It doesn't look like we've got any frosts on the horizon. Yeah, I know. He says as he touches all the wood in his, <laughs> uh, in his room. So fingers crossed, we're going to have a really, it looks like potentially we'll have a, a top harvest yeah, yeah. this year uh, at the um, tail end of the year. If uh, if the blossoms anything to go by, and the fact that there are bees everywhere, actually that's one thing I've noticed, and maybe this is to do with us all being locked down and and less, I don't know, human activity going on. Is the butterflies this year have been amazing? All sorts, orange tips. Mm. I saw a fritillary today, painted ladies, peacocks, 
just all kinds of butterflies yeah. Um, yeah. all around. So I have every year I have this little ritual that I go through, and Ian, my husband, thinks I'm crazy doing it. But I, I um, we've got a tool shed that we we call the brew house, um, and in there there's a big window, and in the roof of the brew house it's all timber rafters, and I think it's peacock butterflies. Someone might correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure it's peacocks that go in there hibernate over the winter and then as it warms up in the spring they all fly towards this window like moths to the flame and get stuck so i have to jump on top of the water tank which feeds the rill down to the bog garden and uh, the moat and um grab these poor little butterflies by their wings wait for them to close their wings up so i can really safely grab them they're sometimes tangled up in cobwebs and all sorts of shenanigans so um (laughs) i know but every year i do this and uh I, i i rescue a good couple of dozen of them and then I'd release them outside and the world is you know at peace so yeah. I, I, I don't want to point out the obvious but does the window not open no it does oh, okay no it doesn't otherwise I'd do that wouldn't I I was gonna say it's, uh, that sounds like a very long-winded way of getting butterflies out of a room no no it doesn't it doesn't so uh, but no honestly I, I can say I love I love risk I've always, I'm always been rescuing wildlife since a little girl and um, this seems to be uh the year because I say it's been it's been really warm and suddenly you get this release of them all and uh, so they come down from the rafters into the window and then I intervene and save their lives so you know butterflies have got a lot to thank me for I think if you're a gardener you are almost certainly to be a, a sort of amateur naturalist at the same time mm. you can't help but notice what's going on around you yeah birds butterflies animals all kinds of things and uh if I wasn't a, a gardener, actually, if I wasn't a gardener, I probably would have been a marine biologist, I always think. But, you know, something to do with nature. Isn't that funny? Like I was going to do an MSc in marine biology at Aberdeen and it didn't happen. Isn't that funny? Well, see, I knew we were joined at the hip and that just goes to show it again. I didn't know that about you till right now. So, ah. <laughs> Well, it would have been something in the natural world. That's for certain. <laughs> um, anyway, it's, uh, it's good that you mentioned your tool shed, your, your brew house. Yes, did you there. see what I did there? That's a really good link because the one thing we wanted to talk about in this podcast mainly was uh, our tools because they are the unsung heroes, I think, of the gardening world, the tools we use. Mm. And the reason I really wanted to talk about our tools is because I had a very special delivery. I've been getting a few parcels from a certain Japanese tool company called Nowaki. I'm sure most people must know Jake Hobson if they're in the horticultural world and his tool uh, company, he gets imported Lots of tools from Japan. And uh, the one tool I got at the weekend, which I've been wanting to get for a very long time, is a Hori Hori. And I must say, I've been using it for two days now. I've been on the Bacious Borders, mostly. Weeding, planting out things, generally cleaning up, tidying, moving stuff about. And I don't think I've had to use a trowel, a fork, a spade or anything, because this tool is like the Swiss army knife of... Japanese tools, if that makes sense. <laughs> Explain what it what it what it looks like, because I I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna admit my ignorance here. I know the brand Nowaki, but I'm not. I don't know what a hori hori is. So please explain. Yeah, it's like it's like a big flat bladed tool. So it's a mix of a very large knife, almost like a Bowie knife, mm-hmm. mixed with uh, a standard trowel, like a big flat blade of a trowel. Yeah. Um, on a, a large wooden straight handle. And the thing is, is one edge is sharp, so you can use it as a weeding-like trowel, so you can get into those long, 
rooted uh, weeds like your dandelions Mm -hmm. uh, or those umbels that never come out. Um, And then if you want to take out a small clump of herbaceous plants, you can because you can dig around it with it and then take it up and then use the knife edge to split it. So no more having to go and get two forks and do the whole double fork or a spade to go through the agapanthus clump. You just use the edge of this knife and it absolutely slices through it like butter. You are going to so have to do a little video tutorial of this on your Twitter feed, uh, you know? Do you know, I'm absolutely, I am absolutely going to. Uh, uh, and then the other thing you can do with it is use it as a digging stick. So you can actually physically dig and it's, it's a very thick piece of steel. So it's very robust. And then you can dig holes and then plant your split herbaceous it's like it is it's an amazing thing it's 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 revolutionized my border game has it changed has it changed your honestly you're beaming i I can see you're smiling away as you're describing your hurry hurry knife so it's obviously something that um you could you could recommend for people to to have i i think i need to see this on twitter if you wouldn't mind putting one up for me so i can understand what it's all about i've i have i've um neglected to to get myself up to speed on the hurry hurry knife so that is your role if you wouldn't mind to do that for me no i will i i'll definitely i'll do some tomorrow because um yeah i absolutely love it and uh and the ones that uh jake supplies are obviously uh real top quality but i've got i so the the reason i started using nuaki and and they've sort of come on the scene haven't they in the yeah, last few um last few years is i lost my secateurs i've had a pair of felcos for 20 years the same pair since the start of my career with the same blade i'll add as well i sharpen my blades uh religiously um anyway i lost it uh and i was i was i was uh distraught let's say that and a gardener without secateurs which i'm sure you can empathize with yeah it's just no gardener is it you know know where they're going to be Saul. they're going to be in the compost heap that's where everything ends up it's funny you say that i turned the compost heap two months ago with the mini digger and guess what they turn I, well. I'm lucky I saw them for a thing because turning a, a, a heap with a mini digger is not exactly. Um, it's not um, not very genteel, is it? It's not very genteel. No. So seeing things you've lost are quite. De- well, I'm glad I didn't go through the secateurs with a bucket. <laughs> anyway, it's great that I found them. They're just very rusty and need doing up. But I bought myself a new pair of secateurs from Nowaki, hearing all the all the uh, recommendations. Mm. And I've got to say, they they are the bee's knees. Um, of secateurs uh, i i love i love my felcos i must say mm. and uh, they've been with me for 20 years and and once i clean them up i'll still use them but um my go-to pair are these nawaki secateurs i was say they that's that's the test isn't it if you if your go-to would be the nawaki as opposed to the felco then then there you go i'm still a felco girl um only because i haven't lost mine yet well, so no, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I got, um, when I went to Riddle College, which was back in 1992, oh my goodness, um, I, they, they asked you as students to buy the various bits of kits. So I bought a Tina knife, which is a lovely kind of like a budding and, and grafting knife. Um, really lovely and sharp. So Tina knives are very, very good. And I bought a pair of Felcos. Now I'm left-handed, so I bought the left-handed model. And those Felcos lasted me up until, um, about, four years ago uh so we're talking well over 20 years for these felcos and again like you i never had to change the blade i just sharpened it i serviced them myself they were absolutely fantastic secateurs and then i got a center pair when i was on grow your own magazine we used to get sent various bits and bobs and i did spy the felcos and thought i might have those myself you know (laughs) and uh, so now i've got this uh this new um 
I think the left-handed mother's in number nine. Is that right? I think it is. Some, again, someone yeah, might correct me. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, and yeah. and I again, I absolutely love them. Really, really love them. There's, they, I dismantle them all when I service them. Everything's really easy to access. And um, so for me, I because I've still got my Felcos, I feel quite loyal to them, and they do a very good job. But uh, I, I know when we, you know you, you've you've mentioned to me off off the um, recording about Unawakis, and you you wax lyrical about them. So so there's at least a couple of of good secateur and other pruning tool brands out there for you. Going back to pruning tools i i use um my my saw like i felco used to do a, a i'm sure they still do a folding pruning saw but i use a silky saw now um which again is a folding saw that only cuts on the pull motion not when you push it it's a, and honestly my god if you want to treat yourself to something at the start of the pruning season buy yourself a silky saw or you can get the the new blades if you've got the handle and the blade's just gone blunt buy the blade for i think they're about 17 pounds something like that um so i trot off to ernesto's buy my silky saw blade in about october and then i'm honestly i am happy as larry because i go th- and cut through the nustry or the the apple pruning or whatever i've got to prune any woody plants it is so sharp and it goes through stems like butter i i gave jade my apprentice the privilege this autumn of the very first cut with my silky saw because i said look you just oh. have to understand what it's like because it's it must admit the you know that it does get a little bit blunter over time and the first few cuts that you do in the first few weeks and her face she was like oh my god <laughs> this is absolutely fantastic so so what what pruning saw do you saw well as ever we are joined to that hip again so yes i've got a silky hey, so i've excellent. got a silky's uh, zubat which is actually a fixed blade saw and it comes mm. in a scabbard uh, I, I quite like the fixed blades because it just means i can grab it do some work because because our garden's very much a lot of trees and a lot of shrubs mm. and heavy a lot of heavy bits of wood uh i like just being able to grab a fixed blade and then just go for it but yeah again a silky saw and just like you i eulogize about silky saws to both my trainees that i've had so far uh and they have both bought a silky saw so mm. oh, although i did used to use a felco uh, folding saw a felco 60 yeah and actually as a small cheap saw uh, if you just want something a bit you know small a bit cheaper it, it was a really nice little saw um it couldn't do the bigger stuff but it was still really good for um say fruit tree pruning or just you know maybe an inch diameter wood but the silkies literally i can almost go through things that i would only probably do with a chainsaw sometimes and it and it's a clean cut as well such a lovely clean cut which for fruit growers like yourself with the growing fruit trees is so important is it to get that nice clean cut it really really is i think maybe i'm maybe i'm more clumsy than you that's why i have the folding one because i (laughs) i have a little a little hessian bag that i take with me to to work every time i go to the hall and uh, in it i've got various gloves and bits of string and goodness knows what other took you do collect over the the months and the years as as time goes by but i've also got in there uh, i've got a pen knife in my pocket always i've got my silky saw i've got two in there because i have a spare just in case and i've got my felcos um and that's pretty much it, but that because that, because it fits in the bag really nicely. 
the the blade folds up inside. So if I want to rummage around in the bag, I'm not going to lose a finger in the process of doing so because it's all folded away. So, um, and, and this for me, I mean, they're small as well. You know, I'm I'm if I, often with the the fruit trees at the hall, they're big specimens now, and I actually climb up into the canopy. They're that large that I can do that, and I found that's much easier for me than getting onto a ladder because you can get right in where you need to and just dive under the branches. Whereas a ladder, you you know, it's it's a bit more um, of a large structure that you've got to weave through the canopy itself. So I've got my my felcos, I've got my pruning saw. Um, once I've used it for the for the time being, I'll fold it up, put it in my back pocket, and then I, you know, we'll get it out again. So that's that's why I use the folding me- model. But um, what, what when it comes to pruning larger stuff, we've got a woodland at the hall, and we often do things like strimming and chainsawing and that kind of stuff. So so what brand are you you using there? Yeah, so for um, for chainsaws, uh, I actually am a Husqvarna guy. I know there's uh, there's uh, two camps, either Still or Husqvarna. Yeah. There are other uh, brands available, but most people do use them. So uh, I use Husqvarna for my chainsaws, but then actually then I swap over to Stills for uh, my strimmer, mm-hmm. hedge trimmer, um, various other smaller tools, uh, blower, all those kind of things are all Still. Uh, they just they do make really robust professional um petrol driven and the new uh battery yeah. technology the lithium ion battery technology mm. just very solid technology and solid machines so i think I, I don't think actually i don't think i've ever been to a garden i've worked at what four now where they haven't had either a, a still or a Husqvarna yeah uh, machine being used so um yeah well, you know they're pretty good well we're the same you, you mentioned the the steel uh lithium ion battery tools and that is um up until it was a couple of years ago i actually got sent by the company some tools to try which was so exciting i've never ever had things like that sent to me before and it felt weird to actually accept them you think my god these are worth hundreds of pounds you want me to just use them um but i i have done that uh so um i the reason for doing so is i was speaking to steel at a show and i was explaining that actually i do find the petrol um things like the strimmers and the chainsaw um, and the long pole hedge cutters. For me, the weight of them was just that little bit too much. I, I already have a slightly delicate lower back and I we have a wildflower meadow that we in the in the autumn we we stream it all down and we've got again under under trees where you can't get the mower we often are strimming and I would find after sometimes even after 10-15 minutes with the petrol steel strimmers it was just the weight of them. I, I even with a harness. I know you can get harnesses, and I know you can get models where um, the, uh, the the more weightier component sits more c- centrally on your back. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm aware that all those components are there, but I I wanted to try the the battery powered models to see how they compared. If they were they tough enough, were they going to do as good a job as the petrol ones did? So um, and it meant that Ian and uh, Ad the uh, the two. Uh, gardeners who male, I'm not, you know, they were, they're stronger than me. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm quite petite. I wasn't as strong as them. Uh, they could use the petrol. I've been using the lithium, um, iron battery models. Honestly, they're, so, they're, they're so good. They're, um, Ian now uses the leaf blower and the head trimmer for his own private jobs that he goes off to as well, because they're so lightweight and easy to maneuver. And um, he'd rather do that than have all the faff of starting up the petrol. You've got all the noise, the fumes, all the refueling. But yeah, that you've got to replace the batteries. But if you, if you're, we were so lucky that we got sent um, a battery for each individual piece of kit, which meant we had four batteries. 
But what you simply do is take two charges or three charges with you wherever you're going to be going. So you've got one battery on the go, you've got one or another, even two charging up. So as soon as one exhausts itself, bang the other one in, off you go. And um, yeah, for me and for, as I say, I found them so easy to use. The Strimo was, you know, again, fantastic, didn't hurt my back whatsoever. So um, I'm really sold on them. And I think performance wise, you know, the sharpness and durability and all that kind of stuff, for, for me, were they they haven't stopped me doing anything. So, yeah, the the hedge trimmer was this the real revelation for me because I've been using a petrol hedge trimmer for fifteen years, exhausting your face, really heavy piece of kit, and when you're doing say a mile of hedge, mm-hmm. oh, it, your back after that is terrible but this you can just whip through it and the nice thing about it is because it's lighter you can do a bit more of a cleaner cut you're not trying to rush through things or trying to hack at stuff to try and get through it quickly yeah you can actually put a better line on your hedges because you don't have to all the energy isn't put into just holding the thing at head height Mm. so yeah I, i really do love that hedge trimmer battery technology. I've I've got the others to try out. Uh, the trimmer I would like to try out at some point, but um, yeah, I can see it. And as it, the technology progresses, and as uh, battery life gets longer, I think these things are just going to be ubiquitous all over, uh, all over the horticultural uh, industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, I should say because Lily, our black lab, comes to the hall with us, and she hates noise. She hates the petrol <laughs> tools. And um, when I use the battery powered ones, she doesn't. She just trots around, doesn't really fuss about it whatsoever. We have actually trained her going onto a slightly bigger bit of kit that most big estates have. We've trained her now to get. She's. She used to run away. When we go to the top barn, which is where the tractor was kept, we'd we'd start the tractor up and you would see this dog literally leg it out of the top barn down the driveway because she was petrified of the noise. We've got her used to the noise of the tractor now. So we have a Kubota on site. Um, it's also, it's got, it's got the mower deck, deck on it as well, but you can also then uh, take the, the, the mower um, hopper off the back and then link up a trailer. So we use it for all manner of things on the estate. And I mean, I've, I was brought up, uh, my parents being smallholders, I used to drive my dad's Isiki, uh when I was a little girl. Um, well, he wasn't allowed to, but that was back in the day when health and safety wasn't quite so stringent. And um, he got a Matthew Ferguson 135. I used to drive that as well. So I'm I'm quite familiar with tractors. I, I, but I, I do find that that's a very straightforward piece of kit to use. And we we have to you know, if, if things wear out, you can get replacement parts really quickly. You can, you can, you can change them yourself. You can service the thing. Um, so yeah, I think as a little, a small tractor, it, again, for, for our estate, it's, it's, it gets through all the gateways really easily. Um, I can, it, the, the revert, I, I quite like, uh, I like reversing a trailer. I don't know about you, but I, you know, it's one of those skills where your brain has to actually reverse what it, it thinks it should naturally be doing, where you want to go left and right. You actually have to, flip round because you've got the axle in the centre you have to flip everything round completely to, to get it done I love reversing a trailer so how about you? Yeah I love reversing trailers and like you uh, my uh, uncle had a farm up in in Cheshire and uh, like you I was driving the tractor at nine years old <laughs> <laughs> sure, I shouldn't have been, but he just wanted me to drive it straight and then turn it around at the end of the field. Exactly. So, you know, there's not much that can go wrong with that. Um, at Stonelands, we have a John Deere 7 Series compact. And like you, small trailer, mower deck, a utility tractor, 
gets us around uh, the property. Because our garns are similar-ish in size, you actually don't want... Lots of people go for the bigger options, but actually you've got to think about exactly where you want to get to in the garden. And sometimes having a bigger tractor, especially in winter when the ground gets quite damp and quite hard to drive on, and the lawn's the same, actually having a lighter tractor can actually mean that you can get on with more work in the winter. So it's worth thinking about uh, what size of tractor you really need for the for the work you can do. The only thing I really regret with the tractor is not having a front loader because it would be great to be able to turn compost or move mulch around and things like that. But um, we hire in a mini digger when we need to. But um, yeah, I, I absolutely, yeah. I, and I love reversing. And, you know, reversing the tractor is the first thing I get each of my trainees to do because... Do you? That's so mean. <laughs> Well, with a trailer, with a trailer on it, or just on with, its own, with the with the trailer crikey, on it, yeah. No, crikey, I know right. it's I know it sounds mean, but I really think it's one of those things that you should really learn to do because the amount of times you're reversing a tractor and a trailer in a garden, yeah, uh, you must almost do it. I'm, I must almost do it daily, just re- just reversing into the compost heap so I could offload grass clippings or something like that. I was going to say so, that is, that's intentional, is it? Reversing into the compost heap. That's you mean to do it. Yeah. Yes, I do mean to do it. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Just don't reverse into the borders. That's why I get the trainees to do it as far away from the uh, the main displays as possible. Oh, I, love it. I have to say, I do get my large tractor fix, but only when it's nothing to do with the haul. It's when so Ian uh, goes to work on a local farm on Mersey Island um, every summer. And he drives a big, either a JCB or a Ventor or a John Deere, one of those massive big tractors where the wheels are as tall as your head. Uh, so I do get to sit in alongside him in the cab when he's doing a harvest there. But that's, like you say, that kind of vehicle is, is there's no, I don't think there's really any place for it on, a, on an estate, a garden estate like ours. So that's today's podcast. We hope you enjoy this shortened format and the look at our lives and our gardens. Hopefully you'll tune in again soon to hear about what we're up to. We understand that for many, life has changed in ways not imagined during the start of this year. Our thoughts especially go out to all our colleagues and peers in horticulture. They have been drastically affected and we hope that life will return and like all good plants, flower again much better than before. In the meantime, please do get out into your gardens, support your local small specialist nurseries and enjoy time out from this extraordinary shift in ordinary life. Until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye! goodbye.